Hey everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of 60 Seconds of Seminary Podcast. As mentioned on my Instagram and Facebook, if you are not already following me there, we will not be posting a 60 Seconds of Seminary video this week because we are super excited about uh, our church's conference create 19 so if you are not already registered for that shameless plug you still have some time to register at www.thecreateconference.com it's about to be crazy y'all it's a gathering of a thousand creatives for a night of impartation and networking and fellowship and preaching teaching the whole nine it's a conference like you've never seen before and i'm just excited so because we will be investing all of our time and energy into the conference this week um we are not doing a video of 60 seconds of seminary but i promised you all that i will be posting a podcast so i'm excited we're gonna dive right in and i hope you enjoy make sure you like share and subscribe let's dive in Um, The scripture that I'm going to be coming from for this particular podcast is actually Mark 5, verses 25 through 29. And I will read it uh, for those of you that may not have your Bible. And again, that's Mark 5, verses 25 through 29, so that you can go study it yourself, have a Berean spirit. Um, And the Bible says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years. So again, this is a very familiar passage, but I believe the Lord has drawn out new revelation from it. And a certain woman which had had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind or in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Don't you feel the power in that? Just reading that scripture. And the Bible says straightway or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. There's so much power behind that. And before we kind of dive in and unpack this, I just want to pray that your heart will be open to receive God's healing, God's deliverance by faith, and that your faith will go to another level and to a place where you can gain access to immediate and instant healing for whatever it is you're believing God to heal. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, you know, with me being a millennial, it wasn't long ago that I had the mindset, a very immature mindset that trauma and issues and drama was just something that would not hit my household in the way that it hit other people's household. And I wasn't saying that like in a, in the sense of I had this great faith. It was just the immature mindset of having not lived long enough or lived enough life to come in touch with the reality that things happen and things that are out of our control sometimes happen and we can find ourselves in situations that we may not have ever thought we would end up in. Uh, But like my grandmother used to tell me, live long enough. And not only does living long enough show you that there are so many things that can be out of our control, which is why we certainly need Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Uh, But it also shows us that 
this particular example of this certain woman in Mark chapter 5 actually teaches us that issues and tragedies and trauma don't have a last name. They don't have an address. They are no respecter of persons. The fact that she was a certain woman lets us know that anybody can have an issue, whether that's a sickness whether that's something going on in your marriage, whether that's uh, a, tr a tragedy, it doesn't matter. There are so many things that can come at us in a curveball form that we are just not, uh, can't account for uh, that cause us to really rely on God in those situations. And so I had this immature mindset because I had not lived enough life that, you know, if something should happen or if I should find myself in A, B, and C situation, here's how I would respond. I would have this exemplar response or, you know, how you say in your mind, I can't believe he and she or, or uh, they did that. And I would have done so-and-so. I would have done A, B, and C. But you do not know how you will respond to something until you find yourself in that person's shoes, until the issue itself knocks on your front door and begins to wreak havoc on your life. Think about Paul. Paul had a thorn in his side. He had been doing uh, everything he could to press toward the mark. And yet because of the abundance of revelations, he still had an issue that became so bothersome to him that he prayed thrice or three times. Lord, take this thorn from me. Think about Job. God, uh, God forbid any of those things, whatever happened to us. But think about the amount of trauma that Job went through and he was a righteous man. So again, this verse teaches us that anything is it's, it's, it's free game. And we have to have our faith so in God, so in him, that no matter what happens, come hell or high water, our faith in him is unshaken. It is uh, unable to be moved. It is unable to be changed. Rather, it increases by the amount of trials and tests that it goes through. And see, you know, again, you never know how you'll respond until an issue comes up. You know, I, I think about myself, you know, having found myself in various situations, uh, having known better. Um, and as you grow, you find yourself, especially in college years, you, you know, you raise one way, you have certain values and you just find yourself in involved in things and in relationships with people that you know better. And I know I'm not the only one here. I know y'all can't say amen, but say amen in your car or something. All it takes sometimes is the right situation, the right person, the right need, or and it's just a recipe for disaster, which just for me lets me know how much more I need the grace of God. You know, anybody can say and testify with me that you find yourself, you have found yourself in some places, you found yourself in some situations, making decisions that you just never thought in a million years you'd make before. You know, I know, again, I'm not the only one. And that's just the testimony of, uh, of humanity and us walking this life out by faith, that we will make mistakes, that we will take a wrong turn. But when we actually find the humility to see the weakness in who we are as uh, human beings, then it gives us the opportunity to really rely on God and to really, really uh, trust in him and walk with him by faith. Because see, what happens is, you know, a lot of times 
we will, the people that, you know, have not necessarily found themselves in certain situations in comparison to another situation they may judge, you know, we'll start to try and stone people who may have done something that we feel we would have reacted differently to. But the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. And we have to be careful judging things and judging situations and judging issues that are not our own because we are just a hair away, a blink away, a decision away from doing something that we never thought we would have had the ability to do. And um, let us be reminded that the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we begin to change our mindset and look at it from the perspective that there is nothing but the blood of Jesus that actually keeps us all from what we really deserve, that is nothing but the hand of God that stopped the tragedy, that it was nothing but the blood of God that kept us from the accident, that kept us from our children being sick, that kept us on the plane ride over to wherever we were traveling, that it was nothing but the blood of God, nothing but the grace of God that kept us, nothing but Jesus then we will get to a place of desperation where we really begin to trust in his power. And what I love about Mark chapter 5 is that it is a passage that tells more than one story. Of course, we know that Jesus was on his way to the house of Jairus, who was a ruler in the synagogue. He was well known. He was a man of rapport. And he was a teacher in the synagogue. And yet his daughter, 12-year-old daughter, was sick to the point of death sick to the point of, of death. In fact, by the time Jesus had gotten there, the woman, the girl had already passed away. And yet you have this woman who is coming in the middle of his, his trip to go to Jairus's daughter, stopping him in the middle. What does this let me know? This lets me know that number one, again, issues and tragedy and trauma don't know a name. It doesn't matter if you are a man of rapport or a homeless person. Everybody has issues and everyone needs Jesus. But it also lets me know that there is a certain level of desperation that will leave you like unbothered about whatever agenda is on the schedule. You will disrupt any plan, any outline you will disrupt any program when you need something this woman was willing to disrupt jesus's urgent mission to heal jairus's daughter and you know sometimes we are so worried about what people are going to think about us whether it's in our worship publicly you know i don't want to lift my hands too high i don't want to shout too loud i don't want to do a b and c we're so concerned but there's a place where you can get to like this woman where you will push through the crowd despite what people think about you because you are desperate enough. And I say this often, I said this in uh, one of the messages that was on this podcast, State of Emergency, that desperate times call for desperate measures. And it's very, very hard to be desperate and dignified at the same time. But see, this woman, she had already lost all of any type of reputation she would have been holding on to because she had had this issue for 12 years. The Bible says 12 years this woman had been struggling with this issue so much so that the issue became her name. The issue became her identity. She doesn't have a name listed in the Bible. In fact, when we search uh, throughout history in terms of this text, there was literally a word translated 
period in the Greek that meant bleeding woman. And she didn't have a name. Her name became her issue. And so, you know, a lot of times we'll find ourselves being identified sometimes by our past. We'll find ourselves identifying other people by their past or by what they're going through. You know, for example, you might say, isn't that so-and-so who used to be a prostitute? Or isn't that so-and-so that whose son is going through this? You'll begin to identify whether you say it out loud or not, whether you just think it in your mind. You will begin to identify or people will begin to identify you by your issue. And this woman knew all about this because she had been struggling with this title, with this issue for 12 years. In fact, there is a law in the Jewish custom that said anything that is bleeding for more than seven days is considered unclean. So the Jewish community, her own community, would have considered her outlawed and uh, would have required that she be isolated. So she has spent her time alone and in isolation for 12 years. You know, I don't want to talk about how that is a part of a negative culture that we sometimes perpetuate in the church, where we try to repel the sick and the sinner and try to save the saint. Well, the saint is already saved. It's the sinner. It's the sick that need to be healed, that need to be receive uh, ministry. Grace says, come in. Religion says, get out. And we want to begin to flip that mindset and that model and begin to welcome in the sick. But I love this verse. I love how it says, but when she heard of Jesus, this changes everything, y'all. When she had heard of Jesus, I don't care about the physicians I've seen. I don't care about this crowd that's around me. I don't care about what they call me and how they identify me by my issue. I have heard the voice of Jesus. And when when I hear the voice of Jesus, when Jesus is in the room, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And the Bible says she came in the press behind or she came in the crowd behind. Sometimes, friends, we have to be willing to get low enough in order for God to take us high. It's going to take humility. It's going to take desperation. It's something about, the Bible says, a broken and contrite heart that gets God's attention, that cannot be resisted by God. And there is a point we have to get to where we feel that there's nothing for us to lose. God, I have so given my everything to you. I've so given my heart to you, my mind to you, my motives, my agenda, my mission, my plans, everything to you that I don't have anything to lose. I don't have anything to hide or to hang on to. She had already been under this plague for 12 years. She had already gone to all of the physicians. You've seen the counselors. You've gone to the advisors. You've gone to, the, to friends. You've tried the degree. You've tried the drugs. You've done everything. She'd already been in isolation and humiliated. You know, you've had your friends talk about you. You've been ostracized. Maybe your family uh, kicked you to the side. You've already been through those things. And the Bible says that she gave all she had. And and a lot of us, you know, there's been times where we've given everything we had and we still didn't see the manifestation that we wanted to see. And this is this is in the same text as well. It says after all of this, after she gave all she had, she grew worse. I remember I sold one of the biggest seeds of my life, my husband and I. And immediately after I sold that seed, after we sold that seed, it's like we lost everything. <laughs> And it just reminded me that sometimes except a seed go into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Sometimes the harvest does not come until 
everything is washed away. Everything is wiped away. And what does that do? I know it looks like it it shows that God is not faithful. I know it looks like God is not answering your prayer. But what it really does is that it tests and stretches your faith. Because when the seed dies, it begins to produce an even greater harvest. But something has to die. Pride has to die. Dignity to the point of, I don't need God, has to die. All of that that, that, that would stop your faith from getting to that next level has to die. And sometimes God will strip us down to nothing so that we can test our heart. We can test our faith to be able to truly rely on him. And so this time around, when this bleeding woman, when this certain woman began to reach out her hand for restoration, began to reach out her hand for healing and reach out toward a life of wholeness, It was something different about it. This time, she knew that she knew that she knew she had nothing to lose. And she said, if I could just touch him. You know, some of the greatest prayers are the simplest. You know, you don't have to use all of the theological banter and jargon and translations and, you know, the greatest vocabulary. Sometimes it's the simple prayers where we feel so broken, we don't even have the words. But I'm so glad that our tears have a language because when we are in those moments where our words fail, sometimes our faith begins to speak volumes. And this time her faith was different. Her cry was different. Her attempt was more desperate than it had ever been before. And, you know, it's these types of prayers like, you know, those prayers, though he slay me, yet will I trust in you. That kind of prayer, the, you know, our light afflictions, which are but for a moment worketh in us an exceeding and eternally great reward where you just trust in him. When you say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't see the vision. I don't see how you're going to make it come to pass, but I just trust you. There's a type of desperation and trust and level of faith that is built in this kind of prayer, in this kind of cry. And with this level of desperation comes a new level of faith. And how do I know that? How do I know that this was a new level of faith that she was exercising? How do I know that this kind of desperation gives you access to a new level of faith? It's because the Bible says right after she touched him and said this in her heart, that if I would just touch him, I'll be whole. Jesus turned to her and said, what? Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. See, when you have great faith, it doesn't take a whole lot of time and it doesn't take a whole lot of words because how long did it take for her faith to make her whole? The Bible said straight away, immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed. Friends, I believe that the Lord wants you to access a greater level of faith so that you can feel what she felt. What did she feel? A new deposit of strength, a new deposit of power, a new deposit of grace on your life, a new deposit of strength to go forward. 
Can I tell you why the enemy doesn't want you to feel this? Why he doesn't want you to feel set free? Why he doesn't want you to be healed? Why he doesn't want you to overcome the addiction, come out of the depression? It's because all this time you've been fighting, you've been warring, you've been praying, and you've been going through the motions, going through uh, the, the counselors, going through the advisors, going through the friends, going back and forth in your prayer closet, warring as much as you could, walking as much as you could by faith. And yet you were doing all of that with one hand behind your back, almost like you were fighting, but you were handicapped. But what the enemy knows is that if you were that strong, if you continue to walk, if you continue to have some level of faith, the Bible says faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. What's going to happen when your faith begins to explode? What's going to happen when that one hand behind your back, uh, it, it, it seemed like w- it was all you had, but then God says, turn her loose. Then God says, woman, thou art loose from thou infirmity. When God says, take up your bed, sir, and walk. God knows that there is something in you. The Bible, in fact, says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The enemy knows that there is something in you greater than him, so much greater than than him that even with your hands behind your back, you can war, you can fight and still overcome the devil. But guess what? When you finally get loose, when you finally come out of the addiction, when you finally come out of the the tra- uh, the, the the trauma, when you finally come out of the depression, when you finally come out of the things that were holding you back, you are going to be a bad mama jamma. You can go ahead and tell your enemies now, if you hated me before, if you were jealous of me before, if you talked about me, kicked me while I was down with my one hand behind my back, you just wait until I get up. You just wait until I get my strength back, my purpose back, my anointing back. Go ahead. I'm telling you, just decree this right now. I'm about to leap over walls. I'm about to run through troops. And I'm all of the Egyptians, the enemies, the haters, the backbiters, the liars that I saw or see today. I shall see again no more forever. God is about to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And it is by your faith, daughter. That you are being made whole today by your faith, son, that you are able to take up your bed and walk into a new level of authority, into a new level of power, into a new level of anointing, into a new level of faith. You see, many people will look at your struggle, will look at your past, will look at where you are right now because it's not where you are supposed to be. And they'll say, oh, it makes you look weak. But they don't know. They don't know this scripture. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. What you went through, the issue, the sickness, the tragedy, the loss, whatever it was that the enemy tried to throw your way. It was not a setback. It was preparing you for a comeback. And you are about to be stronger than ever. And I just believe that God wants to loose some men and women here that are listening today and that you are getting ready to step on the head of the enemy with this new level of faith that you are getting ready to access. So I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for each and every listener here. I thank you, God, that you are causing them to have a faith that will make them whole, to have a faith that will cause them to walk in greater levels of power, that will have a faith that will cause them to be expanded on every 
every side and that will have a faith, God, that will cause them to walk in a greater level of their assignment, their purpose, and their calling. Father, I pray, God, that you would bring heal, healing and wholeness to them, that you would restore them from the crown of their head, God, to the soles of their feet. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would propel them into their destiny, God, that the enemy would not cause them to be set back, that the enemy would not cause them to have a drawback, but that, Father, you would make this the greatest comeback of their life, Father, that you would make this the greatest season of their life, Father, for them to be able to enter into the fullness of your kingdom, the fullness of their assignment, the fullness of who they are called to be in you. Stretch them, increase them, and anoint them afresh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for listening and tuning into this podcast. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that message on a certain woman and the issues that are no respecter of persons. We all have them, but I thank God for the blood of Jesus. Do me a favor. If you enjoyed this, please make sure that you share this with someone and subscribe if you haven't already. Until next time, I will see you all soon.